I remember way back in the 1990s, I got a phone call. When you hear something like this, you know what to expect. You're about to hear an anecdote. In the hands of an expert like Stephen Fry, you're in for a treat. But it's not easy doing justice to an experience that you're keen to share with others. It's a developed skill and a surprisingly important one in business. In this episode, we put one particular anecdote under the microscope and reveal some of the techniques used by masterful storytellers to entertain, educate and enthrall their audience. I'm Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. A few weeks ago, I came across a wonderful story by Stephen Fry, which he performed at the Hay Festival in 2019, and it's now available online as a three-minute video clip. It's a story that he's often asked about because it's a cracker, and I suspect that having a live audience helped him to bring out the best version. I've put a link to the clip in the episode notes Um, Two links, in fact, in case you can't access the BBC version. And I'd strongly recommend that you watch his live performed version before you listen to the rest of this. What follows here is my breakdown of the story um, and why I think it works so well, both in terms of its structure and because of the way he tells it. If you watch his version first, you'll be able to come to your own conclusions um, without being influenced by my opinions. But I'm sure that you'll find something useful in my analysis. Being able to tell a good anecdote is a remarkably useful skill. You can educate and entertain at the same time, and people may well warm to you especially if you've got the three hums in there. That's humour, humility and humanity. It's not an easy skill to develop. We've all heard people butcher a perfectly good joke, and it's much the same with any type of anecdote. And maybe the setup is too long and complicated so that we lose interest early on. Um, perhaps there's a, a lack of momentum. It just plods along and, and almost comes to a halt from time to time. Or maybe the reverse, where it's all rather rushed, so there's no space for dramatic pauses or emotion. If you do find yourself listening to this episode first, um, I've described Stephen Fry's story in enough detail for you to follow it um, and hopefully appreciate what he does with it. There's plenty of advice in other episodes of Leaning Forward about finding anecdotal content. But this one focuses on the way that a story is structured and told. So whether you've watched his version first or not, let's take a few moments to study Mr. Fry at work and and hopefully learn some valuable lessons. He starts by setting the scene basic essential details. It was way back in the 1990s when he had a call from his agent. 
it was an invitation to record the audio version of a new children's book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And this could be called the inciting incident in the story, or at least the first turning point. What's interesting, and I think in the setup, is how we glean something about the relationship between the two main characters. That's Fry and J.K. Rowling. We hear the moment when he was first introduced to Rowling, or Joanne as she was then known. And at that stage of their careers, there's an interesting difference in status between them. So you have Fry, the established and popular actor, writer and, and satirist. And then you've got Rowling, uh, the struggling author, hopeful that she might achieve some success with her novel. When you set up a story and introduce characters, it's important to reveal something about them. And maybe something about their personality, their motivations, or the relationship that they have with each other. Keep the introduction simple, but invest in the characters. It might help us understand what's at stake in the story, and that in turn makes us care more. Fry describes his early impressions of the book in a deliciously underplayed way. I thought it was rather good. It was about a young boy and it, and it turns out he was a wizard and he goes to school and he, he's taught all these spells. And we know all this, of course, and he knows that we know this, but he's taking us back to that time when we knew none of this. He recounts how he met the author at the end of the first day's recording, sharing with her his um, feelings about the book. He tried to come across as positive and encouraging. You know, I think this is pretty good. I think it's going to do rather well. And I guess she was um, encouraged by this because she then revealed that she'd just finished writing a second book. At which point Fry said, well, good for you. It's a lovely moment, um, given what we know uh, about Rowling's career. And he does justice to the line by leaning forward and saying it in the most patronising way. And if he just said, well, good for you, it wouldn't have the same impact. It was, well, good for you. The story moves on. Uh, the book did indeed do well, as did all the subsequent ones. Uh, but then you know that already. And um, he says, and by the third one, it had become something of a phenomenon. And I love the way he says phenomenon. Every syllable clear and crisp um, in that uh, mellifluous and slightly nasal way that he has of speaking. The fry rolling partnership seemed to work well, uh, and he continued to record the audio versions of The Chamber of Secrets and The Prisoner of Azkaban. And then comes the second turning point in the story, a stumbling block during the reading of the Azkaban book. It's always nice when a, a highly successful person reveals a weakness or a mistake. Um, it effectively humblifies them, and we respect them and warm to them in equal measure. Even for someone as articulate and well-spoken as Fry, the phrase Harry pocketed it is <laughs> a tricky one, um, because that was the thing he stumbled over. He struggled to get his tongue around it. The engineers in the recording studio found it hilarious 
and he suggested returning to it later in the day um, when he would give it another go. I love the fact that he zeroes in on something so small. Just three words, he says. Ridiculous. That's the power of specificity in a story and an example of something small having consequence. I guess it was the frustration and anguish that he was feeling about that short phrase that led him to call Joe Rowling in his lunch break that day and suggest a solution. Now, at this point, he could have explained what was said in that phone call, but instead he gives us some important information. He explains that Rowling had always insisted on the recording for the audiobook being an exact, unabridged version of the novel. No shortcuts, just the words as they were on the page. And if he hadn't explained this first, the next bit of the story wouldn't have worked so well. And I think it underlines how important it is when you tell an anecdote that you get the sequencing right um, and tell us what we need to know at the right point in the story. So what did he suggest to the author? I'm having difficulty saying Harry pocketed, pocketed it, it, it. Would it be okay if I said, and Harry put it in his pocket? And there was a long pause at the other end of the line. And she said, no. But again, the actor in him says, no. And he adds, in her best witch's voice. It's a lovely moment and it gets a big laugh from the audience. But he's not done yet. If that line from Rowling is the icing on the story, there's a cherry at the very end too. Fry says... And it's the mark of the woman that the phrase Harry pocketed it appears in every subsequent book. Does it suggest that Rowling was reminding him of his rather patronising tone from their first meeting? Well, perhaps, but what a beautiful end to a terrific story. I've always felt that a well-told anecdote is rather like a journey. There's a destination that you're inexorably moving towards, um, you know, the conclusion of the story. There's a momentum to it. It's, it's unstoppable. But you mustn't rush it. Some bits need emphasis and a bit of acting, like, good for you, or precision and clarity, like, um, Harry Pocketer did it. And some need a bit of embellishment, like in her best witch's voice. It's also interesting that his delivery is far from perfect. There are several hesitations, and there's a bit of mumbling, and at one point he responds to a comment from someone in the audience. But it's a live performance. It's not a recorded audiobook. And we want to see the human on stage. That's one of the three hums that helps us warm to him, humanity. If you've listened to this analysis first, please take a little time to watch the Stephen Fry clip. And as I say, there's a, a link in the description. It's only three minutes or so from start to finish. But there are, I, I think, some very valuable lessons here from someone I consider to be a very highly skilled storyteller. So that's it from Leaning Forward. Thank you again for listening and please do keep tuning in and sharing our content with your friends and colleagues.